Hello, my name is Daklan Deneen. Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode, a guest on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. My guest on today's episode is Bree Code. Uh, Bree is a speaker, a writer, an AI programmer, and she's the, the founder and CEO of True Love Media. And uh, she is an absolute delight. I've been wanting to speak to Brie for a while. Um, she wrote, a, a, like I've mentioned these on the show before, but she, she wrote a, a series of articles on uh, GameIndustry.biz over the past few months that have really just, they, they really kind of uh, unlocked a, a, a way of thinking about games, I guess, that I hadn't thought about before and really kind of changed my, my perspective, which is a, an amazing gift to give someone. And she was a, a real, real pleasure to, to talk to. So, yeah look forward to that <laughs> one of the things i wanted to mention uh, at the start here is like if, if you're a regular listener um please do remember that there's always tons of episodes in the back catalog if you haven't but i'm keen to hear people's uh, suggestions or ideas for potential guests on the show um, i started this with like a big list of people i'd, I'd like to speak to uh, and i've added people as i've gone on and i've kind of spoken to to most of them um i've been very lucky there's very few people that kind of I haven't that I've wanted to speak to that I haven't been able to just yet or that aren't on the cards in the future um, but I'm always happy to receive uh, more suggestions so please do uh, you can email it's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com or it's at checkpoint show on twitter or it's checkpoints podcast on facebook it's very important to have consistent branding um, if you like the show and you have the money and the inclination there's a patreon which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints all donations very gratefully received and going to making the show as good as it possibly can be um the absolute best way of supporting the show um is just to tell a friend uh, to share it around on social media and particularly rate and review on on itunes like i haven't really had any new reviews or ratings uh, at least in the uk and america for the past couple of months and like i've really noticed not an impact, but I've noticed there hasn't been as many new listeners per week as there was before that. So uh, if you do enjoy the show, please do consider leaving a rate and review. It really helps new people uh, discover the show. Um, okay, I'll be back next week with a new episode and a new guest. But until then, let's get on with the show. Um, well, let's do, I guess, for, for the sake of, of an edit, let's do a, a formal introduction. So, okay. uh, Bree, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. If you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Bree Code, and I am the CEO and creative director of a tiny video game studio called True Love Media. And you're a terrific writer, Bree. I, I, like, I mentioned this to you when I, when I emailed you, but that... There's sort of two most recent articles, or not most recent, but the two articles you've done in the past sort of six months. Um, it's, it's on Game Industry Biz? No, Game Industry Biz. Yes, um, yeah, Games Industry Biz. Uh, they're absolutely amazing, like especially the, the games for people who don't play games. Like I've cited that a bunch of times with various guests uh, over the past couple of months since I read it. I think it's it's brilliant. So like because I'm such a fan of that and, and this kind of 
mode of thinking, I guess, which is relatively rare in games. Like, what brought you to to that kind of that that point of writing the article? Was it just a case of you know this is something you're interested in? Was it just? Um, it really it really was the story of my cousin. Um, the moment that I discovered my cousin, who has always disliked video games and never supported my career. And she's one of my closest friends. And so when I'm frustrated at work, I call her and she's not like, you know, giving me advice about work. She's like, yeah, you should quit. Like, why are you (laughs) doing that? (laughs) And then around three years ago, I guess maybe four years ago now, she got a PS3 from her husband's brother who bought a PS4 and didn't need it anymore. And she asked me what, what she should be doing with this PS3. And, you know, I was super excited that she asked because it's the first time she'd ever showed any curiosity towards games. And, um, you know, I recommended a few games and it didn't go as well as I thought she wasn't into them, but her criticism of them sort of resonated with the things that I find annoying in games too, that no one else that I work with seems to find annoying. And then, Um, the whole story culminated in this moment where I had recommended Skyrim to her and assumed that she hadn't tried it because when I recommended it, she Googled it and then came back to me texting saying that, you know, she doesn't watch Game of Thrones (laughs) and she won't like that game. (laughs) So um, three weeks after that, my phone rang. I don't talk on the phone, so I wasn't going to answer And then I saw that it was her name and I thought someone must be sick. And I answered and she said that Lydia died. And that's what I wrote about in that article. But so in that moment, I was like, what, what, we don't have a Lydia in our family. (laughs) And then, you know, I realized she was talking about the character in Skyrim and she was crying and she'd actually like, she'd formed this intense emotional bond with Lydia and, she said to me that all these years when she'd like look down on, you know, me and her brother or whatever for playing video games, it wasn't that she didn't like video games. It was that she didn't know what they were. Or I would, I would amend that to say she didn't know what they could be because um, Skyrim still wasn't the right game for her because she doesn't like medieval stuff and she doesn't like swords and fighting. And she did quit it shortly after that. But it really blew my mind. And listening to her talk about what she liked and didn't like in it, it, I realized that it was the same stuff that I liked and didn't like in every game I've ever played. And I always play games more for what I wish they were than what they are. And so then I started doing a lot more testing of games on a lot of other people I didn't or that don't like games that I knew and talking to my friends and my friends, teenage daughters and and discovering all these common themes. What sort and of then, things, though? What sort of things that that came up in these conversations, like that, that they were looking for that that weren't there? You know, um, just that they're not looking to be stressed. They're not interested in frustration or stress in a game. They're looking for um, self-expression and for taking care of things and for connecting with characters. I'm I'm fascinated by your cousin's response to um, 
this relationship with Lydia because like yeah. you don't go into a huge amount of detail in, in this article but like yeah. I imagine that she's you know she's did she examine the kind of why it had that effect on her because this is quite a a rudimentary character really the, the sort of Lydia in, in the Skyrim games yeah. so like Lydia hey doesn't say much no she doesn't say much I'm really curious as to <laughs> like I, I can totally imagine like if you've never experienced anything remotely like that that is virtual being like if you if she never had a tamagotchi or something when when she was younger that it could be quite an intense uh, kind of feeling that it would evoke in it but did she sort of examine why like what it was about that relationship that really affected it well i think for her it was you know a lot of it was the newness of the experience like yeah bringing this character around who would comment on what she was doing and 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 join her like fight with her and 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 I think because Lydia is so blank you can project a lot onto her absolutely whereas you know if she had a lot more writing she because the setting isn't interesting to my cousin if Lydia had said a lot more things, it probably would have broken the illusion for my cousin brought her back into this medieval, like obviously medieval setting. Yeah. But because it's quite blank, then my cousin could kind of project her own fantasy onto it. So I think in some ways the fact that, and I'm not advocating for writing blank companion <laughs> characters, just that if you, if there's no game that exists in a setting that my cousin is interested in, then this is probably the better thing for her. Oh man, I, I feel so bad because I'm pretty sure when I played Skyrim, I kind of just lost track of Lydia about sort of oh, two thirds. I took great care of Lydia. Really? Yeah. And maybe that says a lot about her, her distinct personalities, Brie. But I, I just remember, <laughs> like, oh, hang on, where's Lydia? I think she was just maybe in like back at the house or something. I think she just clearly decided I wasn't worth uh, hanging out with anymore. I, don't I know. picked out her outfits. I did that for a you bit at the start, her, yeah. yeah. But then, then she clearly didn't appreciate it. I, maybe I put I chose quite poorly with the outfits. It wasn't had, a huge selection in Skyrim, to be fair. Yeah, I know Skyrim needs a lot more selection of outfits. That um, someone's bound to have modded that by now, though, like a proper yeah, might, serious I, dress up. I don't play it on PC. No, no. Um, well, let's let's meander back. So that, that gives okay. us a, a nice place to to come back to. Um, so, so Brie, if you can remember, what was your, your very first experience of a video game? I can remember, and it was um, my dad had a Zenith terminal for dialing into the mainframe at his office. And we had this kind of ASCII display. And on it, there was the game Snake. And where, whereabouts is this in, in the world? It was um, in Vancouver. That sounds so exciting, a, a Zenith terminal for dialing into the mainframe. Was it as exciting yeah. as it sounds? He was writing control systems for sawmills. That is quite good. That is, that is not what I was expecting. That's that amazing. <laughs> so, and, and how, why is that such a vivid memory to you? Like, did it have a, any particular impact? I've never thought about that. I just liked it. I don't know why. Oh, no, Snake is it's a classic. Yeah. I, I mean, a, I guess... No, carry on. I have a very addictive personality. And I guess like early video games, those little dopamine hits. I, I think I, <laughs> at four years old, I was into it. It's weird. I, wonder, I, I do wonder if Snake was like, uh, 
because I remember a lot of early computer programs that I had, they all had kind of a version of Snake hidden within there somewhere. And not uh. like, not, um, they weren't games programs. It was stuff like music sequences and uh, okay. like logo games, you know, where you, is that yeah. the game with a little turtle? There was like a hidden yeah. Snake yeah. game in amongst all of these different types of software. So I because obviously oh. that's not a gaming machine, the Zenith terminal. No. But someone's decided, I, well, I've yeah, got time so to waste. Yeah, someone put it on the mainframe, right? So it was, yeah, it was probably in a program. I have no idea. But I, I think that now that you've said that, I feel like I have to put Snake in every game I ever make. <laughs> it's a brilliant game. It's a really brilliant game. I should um, take a note of that because I have a very bad memory. I think Snake doesn't get enough credit. Tetris gets all of that credit, but uh, Snake is, is just as compelling. Um, so, so how did... I, I imagine that's not going to you're not going to be immediately rushing out and buying a, a console or anything. So so where did you go from there? Do you remember the next sort of when you started being interested in games, I suppose? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to put things chronologically. Around that age too, my aunt had a Commodore 64, but I didn't play any games on it from what I remember. I just wrote scripts to draw houses. And then um, my cousin's had a lot of PC games. So I would go over to their house and they had a Nintendo, which was very special. I played Dragon Warrior at their house and a lot of um, like Super Mario. And did you never pine for this yourself or were they kind of close enough that you could just go and play whenever you wanted? No, I wasn't allowed. And so I would go for two weeks in the summer and also one of my grandmothers was always kind of a bit of a badass. And so when I would go stay with her, she would secretly rent me a Nintendo and let me play it the entire time. That is very good. So yeah. so you, why weren't you allowed it? Just your parents didn't approve, didn't want you to play games? I have no idea. My parents were really strict and weird. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just because I wanted it. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I mean, surely that's that has to fuel something within a, a kid you know if whatever the it's the forbidden fruit then you're going to want it even oh, more totally. surely that's that's story of my life yes so you go to your cool grandmother's house and play on yep. criminal nintendo systems yes did she did she play with you or was she just happy to sort of um no she you? watched yeah she i think she did knitting or something while i played ah, not a million miles away no. um so so did it become this kind of forbidden fruit for you then were you kind of seeking it out or was it always just a kind of periphery interest i wouldn't say either of those things i think that like it being forbidden didn't stop my interest it didn't necessarily like make it my big interest because it was forbidden like it it just i just was kind of like well that's dumb and then i just like found ways around it yeah um it probably did like increase my interest slightly but I wouldn't say it was like a main driving force I think I just I think what really interested me about games was that the authors of the games and what the world they were creating seemed to fit with my if I can say that I had a worldview at that age um, like I lived I grew up in some small towns and moved around a lot um, eventually settling in a very conservative area outside Vancouver. And I never fit in. And I always wanted to go to the city. And these worlds inside the computer were like the closest thing. 
what sort of um, what sort of worlds though? Because like surely, <laughs> in a really trivial example, I'm immediately thinking of the Nintendo and Super Mario world. So obviously not that. So is this obviously? Right. No. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I'm thinking a little bit further. Yeah. Like when you're a bit adventure older. games. When I had adventure games. So th- did yeah. you have like brothers and sisters as well, or was it just you? Um, I have a sister who's six years older and a brother who's ten years younger, but we weren't really raised together. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so how did you fulfill these kind of uh, desires to play these games? Then, did you ultimately win a battle and get a computer? Or so we had. Yeah. So I was never allowed a console, and so that was like sneaky summer vacation video games. Okay. And then, um, when I was nine, we got a computer, and I had some kind of paint program and I had the colonel's bequest and I had visual basic and I had AutoCAD maybe a bit later. So I played the colonel's bequest like over and over. Um, it's by Roberta Williams. It's similar to King's quest, but it's more experimental. There's no score. And you're a teenage girl who goes away for the weekend with your friend from university to visit her family um, and it's in this mansion like you're trapped on an island in Louisiana and then everyone starts dying and the point of the game is like you just snoop around the house like spy on people through like the holes in paintings from the secret passages you find out all the family secrets and you like the game just keeps progressing over time you you can finish the game without having found out anything you can finish the game like understanding the family the game doesn't even really measure how you're doing and was that kind of was that it like were you were you hooked then and kind of seeking out other games like you said about adventure games and i guess i read a lot more books than i played games because i just i got home that's the only game i had access to until i was maybe when i was much older than i had another king's quest game um but i was so yeah then i would go to my friend's house play like Zach McCracken. Okay. That's one of my favorites. That's the Maniac Mansion games, right? Is he the guy in Maniac Mansion? Yeah. yeah. It's it's very similar to Maniac Mansion. You play as three different characters. Um and it's like it's just really funny. There's one part where you have to like blow up an egg in a microwave on an airplane or something and it's like a, plugging the toilet. Can't really remember. <laughs> but were you like where were you getting your kind of information from or were you like were you seeking out games specifically or were you just kind of whatever no. would come into your life you would just latch on to yeah. what would come into my life yeah and was there like uh were there other people around you that were into games did you start to sort of form uh, any sort of friendship groups or you know bond with anyone over a love of games yeah not at all not at all so i think just like no one else was interested like I did have, like, obviously my friend who had Zach McCracken and she had Loom, but it was more her brother who was interested in them. Yeah. And then, like, programming, like, no one was interested in until, like, when I got to high school, there were these two guys who were also interested in programming, but they wouldn't hang out with me, probably because I was a girl. It was probably really scary to them. Why? So where did that start, then? Where did you first get your, your interest in programming? Uh, my dad showed me, well, first on the Commodore, I was scripting, right? Yeah. And then... 
when, when we got the computer and we had visual basic, my dad just showed it to me. And then I was like, just the possibilities seemed so huge to me. So I, I made, um, I remember I made this program to track all my grades on all my assignments so I could make sure that my teacher gave me the correct grade at the end of the year. Oh, that's quite good. Did you ever prove, prove them wrong? No. Okay, no, well. but I, I mean, I, I did fight for better marks on a lot of assignments. So. <laughs> that's, that's very, um, oh, well, so it's a very sensible thing to do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I really liked math when I was young. Like I liked organizing things. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons, one of the things that games can do really well is give you that satisfaction of uh, organization. Totally. Yes, that's um, true. I mean, because you're still relatively young at this point, like, would you have yeah. a, an awareness of um, people as video game creators? You know, I think that's something that a lot of people don't get until much later, if, if at all, is that, you know, someone made this or a bunch of people made this. Like, did, I mean... I knew about Roberta Williams and I used to look at her picture on the box, but I didn't realize like that it was something that I could aspire to or something that people actually had a chance to do. So what did you kind of, like, I guess how did your relationship with games sort of change as you, you got older then? Like if you didn't have that realization, was it still just something you did for fun as you kind of got older? Yeah. Like I think, how did I get into Warcraft? So the next big game, like I had King's Quest and then I had some RPGs. Like you used to be able to go to the drugstore and buy floppy disks with like tons of games on them. So Are you sure that's not like... just your drugstore? Like there's some guy <laughs> on your corner that's just gone into <laughs> business for himself. No, the pharmacy. Um, so I had a lot of those little games through high school um, and I really liked RPGs, but then I got into Warcraft two and then Starcraft was a huge part of my life in the years following that. So how old were you when you got into to Starcraft? Warcraft two, Warcraft two was when I was 16, I guess. And then Starcraft was when I was in university. And why do you think they had such a, an, an impact on you? Not because I liked the gameplay at all. Okay. So I used to play Warcraft 2, like, just trying to make, like, aesthetically pleasing bases. What is Warcraft 2? Is it like a, a Oh, kind it's of, like Starcraft, but it's with, With like, Warcraft stuff. With fantasy, yeah. I've never played them. I only know of it from, like, World of Warcraft. But okay, so it's... Oh, yeah, okay. So it's the precursor to World of Warcraft. It's RTS. Okay, okay. So you would just build... Beautiful cities, essentially. Yes. And click on the characters and see what they would say. And just, like, learn about the, the world. Like, because each time you, like, when you start, you only have certain units. And then, like, the progression, you get better and better units as you do the single player. And so I just liked meeting all of the characters. And I liked, like, arranging them in beautiful formations. I used to play, used to be able to dial up over the phone mm -hmm. and play with someone else. So I used to play with my boyfriend. I wasn't really allowed to use the phone that much, but after my parents went to bed, then okay. we play Warcraft too. But I would make rules about like, like I didn't want the I didn't want it to be hard. So I made all these rules of like what he wasn't allowed to build. 
so that I would win. Well, surely you could you could just play together, you know, make love, not war. Let's just build a really aesthetic. Imagine what you could do with two different factions. Imagine the the color combinations. Right. That's what I was trying to get to. I think <laughs> probably wasn't savvy enough to know it. So so when did that start then? Like when you went to what did you go to university for if it wasn't to think about games in some way? I I mean back then no one thought of games as a career. It really wasn't a there were no games topics at university. So what did so you do there. then? Just regular computer science stuff? Yeah, I did computer science. Um I wanted to do either psychology or computer science. I had no savings when I went to university because I I really wanted out of my small town and I skipped grade 11. I figured out like how to work the school system so I could skip grade 11. You've been tracking your grades on your, your computer software, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> my best friend and I both did that. Um, and so I was much more interested in psychology, but I, I realized I couldn't guarantee that I would get good marks in psychology. It's too subjective. So I, I, um, chose computer science just because I knew that like you know if your program works um so so how did how did you you come to games in university like was it because you know for some people I've spoken to it, it's a time when they kind of completely shy away from them and for others it's kind of when they finally found sort of people who loved them as much as as they did so so how was it for you it was very much just me like, I didn't know anyone else who was into games. I was just playing StarCraft every minute that I wasn't doing something else. What What got you about that? Was that... Um, it's just so similar to WarCraft, so I think I liked... I, I liked... But was it the still, familiarity like, of it? just kind of playing in the world yourself, or was, or was there any of the competitive Oh, stuff definitely not competitive. Not at all. I, I played the single-player... If there was difficulty, I played it on easy, but I think it was just really easy. Um, I just, I liked all the characters. And did, so how was the, how was the degree? How was it, was it something that you enjoyed? Um, I think I never evaluated whether I enjoyed it or not. I think um, like growing up in a conservative area in the country, a uh, work ethic was really drilled into me I thought this is just what I'm supposed to do yeah um I always was pretty good at finding things to enjoy in what I was doing too like um I worked at Starbucks in university and I really liked organizing the pastry case and computer science is a lot like that like it's really about like especially software architecture it's a lot about like organizing things Okay. So there there was there was a lot of elements of computer science that I enjoyed. But you didn't like I'm I'm just curious as, as for, for someone now who, you know, you, you run a video game studio, you've worked for several different companies and worked on a bunch of games like when did that change for you? Like when when did it become something that you you could do or wanted to do? When I started at Relic. So it's literally just when you got your job in video games. Yeah, I went after university. I had a big crisis about realizing I did not want to be a programmer. Okay. Did not, and um, I just kept my student job. I didn't start my career. It was a very unpopular decision with everyone around me. 
Um, like, I could you have done something though, and you decided not to? Yeah, I like didn't go to the job interviews I'd scheduled. Okay, just okay. something like something felt like I can't do this, and I had um, I was supposed to go to grad school. And I like called them a few days before I was supposed to be there and apologized and said I wasn't coming and oh, went to Europe. That's a slide indoors moment. <laughs> and I was just really looking for what I wanted to do. And all that I did was spend all my money and need a job and have no answers. And just by chance, when I like had $8 left on my credit card and needed a job. This job posting came up for Relic. My boyfriend was like, maybe you would like this, like, because I had really liked Homeworld. And I went to the interview and they grilled me for like three hours. And I went home and cried because I thought I did so poorly. And then it turns out I was like the first person to ever ace their programming test. And I got one of their like two junior positions they just created. It was the first two junior programmers they ever hired. And then within like a week or two of being there, I just realized that this is what I had been looking for. That is amazing. That, 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 so that, had it never, <laughs> I'm, I'm falling <laughs> over myself because I've got so many questions <laughs> trying to ask at the same time. Um, like had it not like it must have occurred to you at some point that this could you could do this right that you could go no, and work in games hadn't no it really hadn't like all my friends I graduated with um were working in like either went to work for some kind of business like Macmillan Bloedel where you have to wear like khakis and have like an access card and like work with like kind of business people yeah. older men that I don't really want to work with and then um or they went to work for like internet gambling or internet porn sites. Um, a lot of my friends were making a lot of money doing that. And I took a contract at poker.com at one point, but like that didn't, like I wanted to do something cultural, like something yeah. creative that like I was, I was um, like going to a lot of underground parties and I, I threw a rave once around that time amazing like flew in djs from somewhere else and like just out in the country somewhere no and no, i wasn't living in the country anymore i moved to the city for university no no no. i know i just mean for oh. the for the purpose oh, yeah. of a rave like no in in a in a a basement of a hotel that was a tiki bar that sounds amazing and it was a hardcore like gabber party <laughs> That's I, I've I've got a million questions about that too, but let's let's stick to the let's stick to the yeah. games for the but minute. So I wanted like I, you know, in my family it wasn't acceptable to do a creative kind of job. Okay. It wasn't a way to make a living. Like it, my parents were concerned that I wouldn't be able to make a living if I did something like that. So, um, so I had always been pushed away from any of that kind of stuff. So that it never even occurred to me that like I could find a job that could be a career that would also be creative. So I was really, at the time I was just going through a lot of like torn feelings because I, I thought I was going to need a practical job. So I was only really looking at these kind of practical jobs. Like I was like, could I be a dentist? No. <laughs> could I be a doc like, <laughs> Definitely no. couldn't be a dentist. I think that'd be one of my top three worst jobs to, to do. It's one of the highest paid jobs. I know, but can you imagine <laughs> it? 
just staring into people's mouths all day. Oh, no. No, I don't think I could. No. No. Well, I, I, I mean, if the office was well decorated, I think I could enjoy it. No, but you just, then you just, you're looking at the worst thing in the room all the time. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't hack it. Um, I'm, 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 Unless, I'm so... What if you were like a dentist to the stars? Even then... <laughs> even then like you're still just going to see uh, I, maybe i've just got a thing about just looking into people's mouths i think if you <laughs> if you look too long it's just you, you can't escape how gross it is um, i'm gonna try looking into someone's mouth this week see how it feels yeah yeah no, okay. I, maybe, I I, maybe, no, some, I maybe i have a terrible that. sort of childhood trauma or something that is <laughs> has it bothers me for some reason it's such a, an interesting story because it's essentially like you go on this kind of vision quest you know you, this is post university i'm gonna go and find myself oh well i didn't find myself i guess i'll become a dentist oh hold yeah. on what's this in the bottom of my bag oh his video games oh actually this is what i've wanted all along like so how, yeah. how quickly i mean you said you knew that within a week or two so yeah. was it kind of not easy but were you like oh my god i could have done this ages ago like when you I started even, working on it no i didn't think of that i didn't think about it in terms of like I still, like I can say now, like within a week I knew, but like it wasn't that dramatic. Like I liked it there. I loved the job. It was the first job I liked. I still thought I was going to go back to grad school at some point. Like that was still like, I thought I was supposed to do that. So like when I remember in the interview, they were like, what's your five-year plan or whatever. I was like, well, I want to go to grad school. But then like after being there for a year, I was like, I don't need to go. Like this is, this is what I want to do. I like this. And Relic make uh, or made the company Heroes games, right? Yes. So is yeah. that what you were working on? Um, when I started, we were finishing up Impossible Creatures. Okay. For about a month or something. And then, yep, yeah, then I was on Company of Heroes since the beginning. And which is really interesting because that's obviously like a big RTS game. So like, were you trying to implement features where people could, could just build bases and stuff? Um... No, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I wasn't designing anything. I was just implementing. Um, and what I was doing was I was, I worked on company of Heroes for three and a half years. So, and we were a small team. So I touched a lot of that game and I started mm -hmm. by doing like gameplay prototyping and like just working with the designers to test ideas they wanted to do. Then I sidetracked into, I wrote the UI tool and the UI library. We had our own engine. So, um, and then, um, and then I got to write the squad AI and it was the first RTS game that had like this kind of intelligent group behavior in it. Okay. And that was super fun. What's, what's WAD AI? Oh, squad. Squad. Oh, sorry, sorry. Squad. And so had you ever done anything like that before? No. Because that seems like the perfect kind of intersection of psychology and, and computer science and stuff, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, and I loved it. I, I absolutely loved working on it. Um, it was way simpler to implement than like what everyone thinks. People are like, oh, it's the first. I, I'm surprised no game had done it before because it wasn't difficult. Um, but... I think that's been a theme that I've been interested in throughout my career, like group behavior. Why specifically kind of group think? 
do you think? That's a good question. I don't know. I, that would take a lot of therapy. <laughs> Um, I never fit into any group in high school. I always kind of floated between them. I never really knew how to behave. I didn't have social skills until I was like 24. Maybe that's okay. why you're so interested in it then. You know, yeah. you're, you're, in, you're in control now. I, I make the rules for this group. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, oh. I don't know anything about, as we've previously discussed, I don't really know anything about, about programming and particularly AI. Like that seems like genuinely like some kind of magic to me so it like this 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 is a really stupid question but like yeah could you just sit at home and kind of play with ai like could you just sit and be like what happens if i do this what will my little creature do then do you know what i mean like in the way you yes. kind of test on an animal or something yes you can do that do you do that uh i have like yeah i have a lot of like half-made systems that i've made for fun like, like kind of the ultimate version of the sims where you can kind of control their artificial intelligence as well as their lives yes yeah and 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 other things like um like cities um like i there's this uh, architect i guess or some kind of academic called christopher alexander and he heavily influenced the field of software design he made this thing called this book called a pattern language which is about identifying patterns in architecture and then using them to make better like architecture that's more human okay. and that kind of influenced the idea of having object-oriented programming if i remember correctly and certainly this thing that we have in programming called design patterns is similar um, and i always thought it would be really interesting then to write a software that generates um, cities and houses following all of his patterns so I started doing that I didn't finish it um, and then I have like a bunch of different like kind of character systems and stuff that are half finished too that's like a, that seems like something you could just play with forever though like that's an yeah an ending kind yeah of and generative box. art yeah yes. yep so so how you I suppose, like, you know, you have this job in games now, and so I imagine, you know, you're getting paid a salary and you're surrounded by other people who are clearly going to be into games. Like, did you, did your interest start to broaden? Did you, like, suddenly go out and buy loads of consoles and games or, like, try and get old games and stuff? Not at all. No? No. Um, I had an Xbox. I didn't even have the internet at home, and I didn't have a smartphone for the longest time. Like, the... Until I worked at a major studio, like at Relic, at Relic, I wasn't measured on how much I was into game culture. I was measured on like how much I contributed to this game. And I think my unique perspective or whatever by not, by not being like into all the typical same stuff was probably valued. I don't know. But there was never any... Even like no one ever even said a single word about me not really being a gamer. Like I don't don't think anyone cared at all. Like I don't think anyone even thought to care. I don't okay. think it was a question. Um, but so I, I did. I had a 360, and it was a launch 360. And I can I had it. 
like almost the whole life cycle of the console. So that tells you how little I played it because it never red ringed until <laughs> very recently. And, um, but uh, yeah, I just played, well, I played Morrowind on the PC a lot. And then on the 360, I got Oblivion, but I, Oblivion was a miss for me. I don't think there was much I ever really liked on the 360. Well, Skyrim, obviously. Eventually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's where I played Skyrim. Yes, that's true. So I'm really interested in, like, why, I guess, why your interest never kind of grew or kind of why, why you wouldn't be so sort of voracious sort of seeking things out, especially once you started working within games, like... Well, I tried a lot of games, like every game that everyone was talking about, I tried, okay. but it just didn't do it for me. That's really interesting. But did you feel like, did you feel like, I don't know, like, not that this would be a correct feeling, but that, that or am I, am I doing this wrong? Like, what am I not getting here? Or were you just like, oh, well, this is for me. Like, did it bother you uh, that you didn't seem to be as interested? Yeah, no, it did bother me. It bothered me a lot. It bothered me until that moment with my cousin. That's really interesting. But like, were there any, I suppose, like, I mean, I'm just, this is purely because this is kind of how I do the show usually. Like, yeah. were there games that stuck out for you that kind of changed your mind or drew you in um, for whatever reason? Well, I mean, especially when the indie games, like when the indie scene started to like come into my my world, like I was probably a bit late. Yeah. Because I was working in AAA. So it took a while for me to hear about indie games, but then I was super interested in games again. I think what happened is like, you know, around the time that I was finishing computer science, the culture around games was starting to get a bit toxic. Was this kind of 2001, 2002? Yeah. And, And so I started to feel singled out in a way I hadn't felt before. And over those years, I just kind of naturally shied away from like computer stuff in general and getting more interested in art and fashion just because it was less hostile, not because I was more interested. Like I would have, I'm very interested in, in programming and in AI, but like I don't, want to subject myself to hostility all the time you know when I'm equally interested in art and fashion so I started to kind of this part of me kind of started to wither yeah um and then but then um my friend Jeffrey introduced me to a few indie games and then I was like oh like my mind kind of blew open and I was like this is like now this is kind of like I could see how I could be very interested in this. Yeah. And like, did you sort of seek them out? Cause like usually with like, cause you, where did you go? Sorry, let's start this again. So where did you go after, after relic? Like why uh, did pandemic. that end? I went um, to a pandemic after relic. Cause I like when I had traveled to Europe before working at relic, I had wanted to go for a year and ran out of money after less than two months. So I'd okay. always kind of felt like that was a big fail. So I wanted to redo that. And my partner at the time didn't 
want to go to Europe, but he was interested in going to Australia. So I thought it was a good compromise. So we went to Pandemic Australia. Was that good? I didn't like being there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it wasn't the right city for me. Which where, where did you where did you end up in Australia? Uh, it was in Brisbane. Okay. It was too hot for me. Um, and all the things that I enjoy in life weren't really there. So I had to become like very outdoorsy and, and like change the kind of things that I like. And I tried doing that and like tried to be like flexible and adaptive, but it just wasn't the right place for me. And I came back to Canada after a year. Okay. And what did and you do? I got a job at Ubisoft Montreal. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm just thinking like, because this would have all been around the time when there would have been this kind of uh, in, in the renaissance so to speak on, uh, especially on xbox and stuff so right. usually with the, the bigger studios there tends to be kind of a, a smaller scene of indie developers kind of like people breaking off from bigger studios and stuff like did you get to know these people did you start to seek them out it wasn't until i was at ubisoft montreal for like a year or more before i even heard about indie games oh really and then yeah well and so back then like in when I was living in Australia, movies came out six months later. Yeah. And we only got two gigs a month internet. Oh, that's pretty For me and my boyfriend. Shared. And that was costing us $100 a month, I think. So, like, there was, like, it was, a, it was the olden times for us down there. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> one of the things I didn't really like. And I remember, like, one day, like, the internet went out because there's like only one cable going to Australia or like two cables from the rest of the world to Australia at the time. So like we just like Australia lost the internet one day for a day. <laughs> like that, that was amazing. <laughs> um, I do wonder if the world might be a bit of a better place if we all just lost the internet for a week. It's not happening. No, I know. It's we not. just have to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> we have to figure out how to leverage the internet. In a better way than we are now. So how, what happened with the, like, what prompted you, I guess, to kind of seek out indie developers, if you did, like, if you mm -hmm. did sort of search for these sort of, this group? Um, well, it, like, I never, I can't really say I went searching, um, just that my friends would bring me interesting games. And, um... Then there was this long drawn out period of three years maybe where we kept thinking like, okay, we should leave and make an indie studio and then getting sucked back in. Who's, who's the like, we in this? Um, I'm not sure I can say. Okay. We never did until I finally did. But. And is that just because, you know, you had ideas, you wanted to pursue things? Um, why we wanted to leave or why we got sucked back in? Well, a bit of both, I guess. Like, okay. was it just the sake of that you want you had things that you wanted to try that that was prompted you to leave, or was it just like, ah, oh, Jen, I'm not really into this job. I should probably try something. Oh else. yeah, no, definitely things I wanted to try. Yeah, because I loved working at Ubisoft, like um, for a long time. I had like great people I was working with, interesting challenges at work, um, lots of opportunities to like try new things every project, try different roles. What did you work um, on while you were while you were there? 
I worked on Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed 3, and then Child of Light. Oh man, Assassin's Creed 2 is the best one. It was so fun to work on. So good. And Brotherhood as well, actually. They, but they were, kind of, they, they were both kind of... They, they both occupy the same space in my head, I think. Brotherhood was the smoothest production I've ever been on. We made that game, full-size AAA game, in 10 months. Yeah, I, I do remember it coming out really quickly afterwards yeah. and being thrilled about it because it was just the same and better. It was, it was so yeah. good. Which one was Child of Light? Was Child of Light the, the, the kind of spiritual successor to Res? Child of Light, no. It's a Japanese-style RPG. Yes. What am I thinking of? Child of Eden? Watercolor. Yeah, you're thinking of Child of Eden. Right, okay. Yeah. I haven't played Child of Light. Was, was that good? Was that a fun thing to, to work on? Oh, it was super fun to work on. Um, it was a big challenge to make a small project in a studio where every process and every structure is designed to support these giant AAA productions of like a thousand people um, because we were still supposed to use all the same process and all the same middleware teams and, and, and then somehow like it, it was, it was interesting. It was, um, it was super refreshing to work like on a smaller team. And was that um, one of the things that kind of drew you back in? They were like, we're going to set up this little, Yes. Boutique within the the big studio. Yes. Yes. That's. I mean, that's that seems that's a fair fair thing to go back to. That sounds like a good deal. It was fabulous. That's true. And you get the best of both worlds. So, so yeah. why did you ultimately kind of head off? You just had had too many ideas that you wanted to try. Yeah i i can't I can't actually say what I was doing my last year there, but I was doing something that um, I realized would be a lot easier to do in my own studio. Oh, interesting. Um, well, well, we'll cycle back around to that in a second because I'm going <laughs> to take a, a, a brief aside to ask some relatively quick-fire questions, but really okay. it can take as long as you'd like. Okay. Um, Brie, if you had to... Uh, play a game with, with death for your own mortal soul. Uh, what game oh. are you best at? Uh, um, I don't like games with challenge, so this is a really hard question for me to answer. But I guess I could say um, Tetris on the 8-bit Nintendo on an emulator, if I can pause. It's very specific. I think I think <laughs> it's completely allowed. Um. If I, I'm sure I know the answer to this, but if you are if you're prone to such things, uh, Bree, what was your worst rage quit? That would be Ubisoft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. Um, has there ever been a, a game that's kind of uh, consumed your life to the point where you were like, "This is a problem. I'm going to have to delete this because I'm getting nothing done." Many, many times. Many times. Um, a lot of mobile games for me like that. Like I had a period on Assassin's Creed three where I had to delete drop seven because I was leaving. I was making excuses to go to the bathroom in the middle of important meetings that I needed to be in to go play <laughs> drop seven in the bathroom. I think so, we've all been there with drop seven. 
that's that's <laughs> one of my games that i had to just get rid of from my phone because yes. it was too much yes so good so good but like oh just <laughs> something about it is so manipulative it's yeah. so moorish um so you've said that with a bunch of games is it do you think it is just games like that which are like little i don't know little little fruit machines for for scores or well i have i have a i don't know whether this is just me being in denial but i have a i have a theory that whenever i get addicted to a game like like any any game like a little game like that or like i think i played hundreds and hundreds of hours of this war of mine this winter okay when i do that it's because i need introspection because i need to change something in my life that i'm not changing so when i start looking for escape it's because i actually need to escape something that's interesting so i don't see it as a behavior that actually i don't think uninstalling the game is the right solution i think that i'll just then invest myself in something else like deciding i'm going to learn how to cook or something like 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 it's because there's something i'm running from instead of facing and so when i when i when I do that, I let myself do it. And the, the time I spend in the game eventually gives me the insight I need to figure out what it is that I need to change. That's that's super interesting. And I think you may very well be onto something. But like, I don't know. Like, Or it's just me being extremely self-indulgent. No, no, no. It, it makes total sense. But And I think as someone, like, as you said, like it's something that you kind of recognize in yourself like you've done it enough that you're like right okay th- yes. this this must be ascertained as something else i suppose yes. but like whereas with when i think about it now i'm basically i'm worried now that i've missed out on some epiphany because i was just <laughs> like i'm just playing this game i'm not thinking about anything and sometimes that is exactly what you need is just to not think about anything for a while but the I don't know. You gotta give yourself like really get into the game, like really disappear into it, play it for like a month, don't see anyone, and then and then see what comes. Maybe you just come out the other side really like depressed and addicted to a game, and I just gave you very <laughs> bad advice. That's or what I'm worried you have about. Have an epiphany. <laughs> maybe I did have epiphanies. Maybe me deleting it is 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 an epiphany uh, epiphany in itself, and maybe there's something else that kind of triggers maybe a week after that that i didn't realize yeah. oh that. yeah totally yeah because it would be like while you're playing the game you're in a meditative state and exactly. your subconscious is doing its work and then you can have the epiphany like while you're eating breakfast the next day or something i do like i mean and this sounds like a total excuse and maybe it is also yeah. but like because i i write i'll, I'll often get to uh, a problem in a, in a script or a story yes and i will sit and i'll play a video game all day yeah and inevitably that that will solve itself in the back of my head whether or not yes. the game helped with that or not maybe that would have happened faster if i hadn't sat and played a game all day and had just gone for a walk or something but that's one of the I ways think, i can justify it to myself i think that like that is definitely how i justify it and like because i do the same thing if i if i'm programming and i get stuck if i sit and try to puzzle through it i'll come up with a worse design than if I just go read celebrity gossip for a couple hours and then the design comes to me. It's one and of those things like the pe- people say like when when you have when you're trying to remember something and you've got like a name or like who is who is that woman in that show or something and you yes. tip your tongue. People say like just look it up immediately 
because you can because that that the process of going like um um it actually it <laughs> hinders it just makes it worse and worse huh. the only thing you can do to solve it is just look it up or forget about it and if wow. you forget about it it'll come back later but the actual process of really trying to force it is just right. it's, it's going to do Doesn't you no work. good at all no you kind of have oh, to isn't relax it frustrating to have these brains of ours oh it's the worst they're really <laughs> really i mean uh, nobody's done a better one just yet so I mean, unless someone figures out a much more uh, streamlined version um okay so if uh I, I i don't i don't imagine you're very competitive but if you have ever been competitive on a video game like do you have any kind of mad high score battles you've had with anyone I am actually very competitive, but I don't enjoy myself when I'm competitive. So I don't play competitive games because I just get like, I, I always lose and I get really petty about it. So I have not, no. That's fine. Um, with the, the kind of the, the gamut of uh, emotions that games are potentially able to evoke, uh, one of the rarest still I think is, is laughter. So Brie, what games have really made you laugh? Games that have made me laugh. Zack McCracken. Okay. Maniac Mansion. Um, Leisure Suit Larry. I'm not sure anything has really... Oh, Kim Kardashian Hollywood. I don't know what that is. Kim Kardashian Hollywood? I'm sorry. Oh, I love that game. I don't know. I, okay, let me... Based purely on the name. Yes. I imagine some kind of downloadable app. Kind of yep. dress up. Yes. Some sort of time delay where you have to pay to get tokens to get yes. dresses made faster or something. I don't know. Um, it's a very light RPG. Okay. Where you're a friend of Kim Kardashian's. She makes you famous. She's always super nice to you. And you can have all these great designer clothes, except you only have to pay like a dollar instead of 4000 And Okay, so I've got more questions. Yeah. Is it you or do you like create a little avatar? I create a version of myself. Okay. And are the interactions with Kim Kardashian, is that like a, an FMV style movie, like Wing Commander style? Or, and if not, why not, basically? <laughs> um, it's not for production cost reasons because Kim Kardashian's time is too expensive. Of course. Of course it is. Yes. But um, it, no, it's just some line drawings and, and the characters are very static. Like it's just kind of like, you could say like it's a cutout that kind of appears on the screen and it's like, wow, I really like your dress. You should come to this party tonight. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and is her whole family in the game? Like, do we get Kanye and the kids too? Or is it um, just Kim? I haven't played it in years. And when I played it, it was just Kim. Oh, maybe it's... Maybe Actually, it's... the game was the game was a, a different, like a non-branded game beforehand. And it started to do well enough that then they called up Kim and were like, we want to put your brand on this game. And then she was like, sure. And then they put her brand on the game. And then that gave the game PR. The game mechanics itself was already like quite enjoyable. And then so then the game blew up for a short period. Man, that, that's that's a phone call to get, isn't it? Hi, hi, Bree, we want to put your brand on this game. Yeah, that's I think it might have actually been an email. Yeah. Well, even still, even still. <laughs> um, that's, yes. that's an amazing message to get. Yeah. And yeah. so how did that, why is that funny though? Is it just well-written? Is it just clever? Yeah. Yeah. It was really witty. I found like, well, because it was 
one of the first games or maybe the first game I ever played that meant that had cultural references to my culture, like to like Instagram and like kind of t- like teenage girls culture online. Cause I am like a teenage girl online still. <laughs> um, but like it, it wasn't geeky stuff. It was like jokes about like just things that so far I'd only heard about outside of games, like, like on the, like, teenage girl websites that I read and stuff that's really interesting like because even even now that's quite rare relatively rare in 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 games like beyond those kind of uh marketed essentially kind of mobile apps and stuff yes um yeah uh, yeah that's that's super interesting so so you're in uh you're in Ubisoft you decide to leave you have this idea like was that that must have been quite scary i imagine at the time um i did it without a plan i did it just spontaneously and i've never done anything so i mean i guess maybe i called up grad school a week before and said i was not coming so i guess i have i guess there was a precedent but in my entire career yeah i had never done something like that like when i had decided to leave australia i gave them two months notice i hired and trained my replacement like i wanted everything to be very professional and very clean and like slow and I took my time like getting to Montreal and like but when I quit Ubisoft I I just did it in a meeting one day that's quite just exciting just kind of had a temper tantrum <laughs> was it exciting I feel like that's a really exciting that, that's something everyone great. should do once I think oh my god no I would totally recommend it because it felt really good <laughs> and I don't regret it and so what what did you do afterwards though i absolutely loved working at ubisoft and i love the people i work with but it was time for me to go and what so you have this moment in this meeting and you're like right okay new life starts here and then how do you how do you do what do you do like once you get inside the building you're like right shit now what or did you already have something completely planned in your head nothing planned at all oh so exciting nothing i when i went to the meeting i didn't know i was quitting so like I just, I just did it. And then, well, HR contacted me and were like, please take some time to think. So I took three weeks off. And at the end of the three weeks, I came in, I filed my expense reports, and then I quit officially. That's so exciting. And so is that what led you directly to, to true love? Uh, Not or, quite. So what, what did I, you do? First, I started another studio in Montreal, but then I realized that Montreal is not the right place to make the kind of games I want to make. And then I went back to Australia to do a talk at a conference down there, this amazing conference called GCAP, Games Connect Asia Pacific. And so I was feeling very lost at that point because I'd like, my, my plan had been to start that studio in Montreal, and then I, I realized that I wasn't thinking big enough, but I didn't know what I would do. And Why not Montreal? Was it just... Uh, it's very, it's just, um, for, it's very AAA-focused. It's very inward-looking, the games community. Okay. Um, it, what really drove it home for me was when I went to Australia, um, and I had, you know, I had told you I hadn't really liked it when I'd lived in Australia yeah. eight years before um and when i went back i was kind of scared to go back because that year that i'd been down there had been a really dark time in my life 
but I was like, I have to take every opportunity I have. Like they asked me to come to this conference. Like I have no career now. Like I better do this. And so I went down there scared. And then when I got there, I couldn't believe how amazing it was. Um, just to like when I had, when I had worked there, I was the only woman, um, only woman in the company for a while. And then, or on the development side. And then, and then, and then some other women came. So then I was just the only woman programmer. But when I got down there, I saw like a very diverse group of developers, um, a lot of really like young, inspirational developers with fresh ideas and the culture that they have down there now um, is so collaborative and and just like felt very like culturally very current to me yeah and and inspiring to me and like that I didn't realize that a games community could be like that um and so then I decided to travel for a year and explore different games communities around the world and how how was that like how did you was that just I've got a bit of savings I should do this this is it wasn't, it wasn't my idea. It was a very, very good friend of mine. She basically, I, I have a feeling that she's the reason I got summoned down to Australia in the first place. I don't know. But um, after she was like, you should come stay with us after the conference. And then she was like, so I saw that you quit Ubisoft and you painted your apartment black. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> um <laughs> and, but actually I painted my apartment black because I really like this interior designer from the UK called Abigail Ahern and she painted her apartment black and I've redecorated my apartment about eight times I'm an obsessive redecorator so okay. it wasn't actually connected but to my friend it looked pretty scary um, <laughs> but then so I told her about like what kind of games I want to make and what was kind of blocking me and then she went to work and she came back and she said, I had a vision of your future. You're going to travel for a year. And I was like, yeah, that's not what I'm going to do. Like I have responsibilities in Montreal. Like I, I'm not going to like, I'm in my, like I'm 35. I'm not going to travel. <laughs> she was like, yes, you should. And then I went to sleep. And then when I woke up in the morning, I was like, I'm totally going to do it. So I went home, I packed up my stuff. I rented out my apartment. I found someone to watch my cats and I went to Tunisia this is insane this is proper um so i'm so excited like on your behalf like i imagine it would have been quite a lot of excitement and also a lot of kind of what on earth am i doing like you know you seem very uh very pragmatic like there must have been some part of you that's like whoa what am i doing like were you looking for yeah. something specifically um i wasn't looking for anything specific i just wanted to um, have some freedom and, and get some perspective and make my games. And, and had you done this before though? Like, cause I know now like you, you, you give talks all over the place uh, and, and you know, you, right. you're a big part of kind of, uh, the conference circuit. Was this the first time you kind of exposed to these sort of smaller communities? Cause you'd been working. Yeah. So that, I mean, so I had, yeah, exactly. I had done one talk in Toronto and I'd, I'd been really impressed with the community in Toronto as well. It was amazing. I'd done a, I'd done a talk in Spain already. I had done a couple talks in Montreal. There's a really great group in Montreal that I did a talk at a game jam there. Um, 
but I had I had done very few talks. So that one in Australia was one of my was my first big talk, and then from there Tunisia was the first talk where then I just started getting invited to a lot of different places. And like, what were your your talks about at the start? Like, what was it? Just this, just sort of built up ideas that you'd had for for years that you wanted to express in some fashion. Well, when I was still at Ubisoft, you have to get your talks approved by everyone. Okay. So I was giving these very dry academic talks about the business case for diversity. It's not super sexy. <laughs> no. Um, I, it was a subject that I am still and was very obsessed by, but um, the you know they weren't entertaining talks. They they were useful. Yeah, I think. But um, so my my first good talk that I ever gave, I think, was that one in Australia, and it's because a week before I I was so proud I was done the talk a week before I needed to be done it, and I showed it to my mentor, and he listened very patiently while I talked about how great the talk was and how great I was for finishing it a week early. And then he like went to one slide in the talk and he said, it's the only interesting slide in your entire talk. You have to rewrite the whole thing. Oh man. And then I did, I, I panicked and then I wrote a more heartfelt, like honest talk about what I actually thought about the industry at the time when I had just rage quit. Yeah. And then I was, and people liked it. I didn't expect people to like me, like saying like, I think this sucks, but, um, it it had a good reception. And then, so from then on it, now I just, am a lot more honest. That must've been quite exciting. Like, you know, it's not something that, based on what we talked about, it doesn't seem to be something that you had done before. Like, uh, aside from obviously thinking about these things a lot, like uh, any sort of onstage presentation is quite an exciting thing to do, I think. Yeah, I think it was life-changing. I'm tearing up a little bit now that you're saying that because um, I I had wanted to talk because I had, you know, things that I wanted the industry to change, but I really did not enjoy public speaking at all. And I used to get super nervous, like so nervous. Yeah. Um, and then, and on stage I was like, I'm still not comfortable on stage, but like I was, I hated being up there. And that talk in Australia for the first time, like I was, I was as nervous as usual leading up to it. And then as soon as I got on stage, something just felt better about it. And I realized that when I screw up a talk, because I had screwed up a lot of talks, I kept trying to make myself do this and kept trying to get better at it. And I didn't even feel there was much progression. I didn't think I was getting better. Um, And then I realized that I have to be honest. And then it's much easier. That what was making me nervous wasn't being up in front of people as much as feeling like I was saying something I didn't believe. Yeah. If if you're honest, you can't get anything wrong because you're just saying what you think. So you can't can't fumble over. Oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. So no, that's what I think. This is what I want to talk about. And and, and it's really like that's what people want. Like that's what that that's those are the best kind of talks when you just have someone being honest because, you know, 
I think you know, the amount of talks that I've been to in various jobs I've had that I like here is the your corporate spokesperson to tell you about this company so like, everyone knows yeah. and the person giving the talk they all know that we're just going through the motions here nobody's really nobody cares nobody's saying anything important but then you go to something at like a, a gaming event in particular like the one I'm very few I've been to like they're, they're, it's such a receptive crowd because it, I think it's still a really young and exciting industry and like any any oh, insight yeah. people yes. can get it's like you just you grasp onto that you gravitate towards it because it's still kind of anything is kind of possible you know it's broadening so much all the time so that that kind of insight i think is is super valuable um so how 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 was this trip this must have been amazing and, and i suppose like one of the things I, I should try and bring it back to is 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 yeah. game stuff so were you playing games like i imagine there would have been games at all these kind of events and you would have been meeting all these people around the world making different games and so was i playing games as i went around yeah like was that uh beyond the kind of the the amazing kind of social aspects and, and finding a voice like were you as inspired by the kind of creativity of the people that you would have been meeting oh very much i mean from the first like that so that community in australia blew my head open and then I went to Tunisia and realized that it's not something special about Australia. Like all these communities around the world are full of so much, like these sophisticated, talented young developers, like so much. I think maybe the internet has changed everything because yeah. the kids, the young people that I'm meeting are so much more sophisticated than I was at that age. And and the the capabilities and, and the things that they're going to create. I mean, we're in a really special time right now in the games industry because we just kind of got Unreal and Unity in the last few years. Yeah. And so, and now all these young people have access to those tools and as they deepen their understanding of what's possible, like, I, I can't even imagine what they're going to create. Like, I don't have the kind of ideas that they have. Is there like... This is a tricky question, but like, are there specific games that kind of stand out, like things that you've played over the last couple of years that you've been like, oh my God? Um, there's quite a few. The I'll just tell you the latest one was just um, at Nordic Game, no, at Creative Coast. Okay. In Karlsham, Sweden. Um, I did, there's a woman, Mariam Zakarian. I think that's her last name. Um, she's in Copenhagen. And her the name of her project is Amaryllis VR. And she's making art installations in VR. Okay. And this was the first time that I felt something in VR that I've never felt. So like this, she used the medium in a, a way that then I was like, oh, like what, like what? What? What did she? What? What did she make? What was she making? Um, she's making a, a bunch of different installations, and the, this one was um, sort of a maybe I might say a spell okay. um, to help you um, let go of something. And so you go in, and you're on this sort of shiny white island in a red ocean. And there's this kind of torso with these vines growing out of it all around you. And as you're kind of exploring it, then the sea 
the waves start to pick up and the little floaty island thing that you're on starts to kind of rock a bit. And then eventually the waves actually just wash right over you. And then they're gone and then they wash over you and they're gone. And the feeling when the, f- the first time the wave comes up and washes right over you. I can't describe the emotion, but it felt like deeply spiritual. Very nice. I liked it a lot. See, all I was thinking then was like, that sounds terrifying to me. It wasn't scary. It was the way it was done. It was very calm, peaceful. Okay. Dear. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Like I, I did a, an episode a couple of months ago now, and I spoke to maybe eight or nine people that are kind of just starting uh, game development. They've just, they've always wanted to do it or they've just yeah. had a go or they've just graduated or various levels. And like one of the things I kind of touched on in that episode and, and from talking to a lot of the younger people around here is that like, Sometimes, like, I wonder if people who are interested in making games, because it's so relatively, you know, easy to to get involved with it now compared to a couple of years ago, are they thinking about it as, in the same way that kids start a band in, in like, high school or something? So they're not necessarily thinking, this is going to be my job, this is going to be my career. They're just like, well, this is a fun thing. Let's do this. Let's get together and make something because we're kids and we've got a bunch of ideas. Like I, 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 I think I, yes. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah, and but I, I think I'm a little bit worried about that. Like I think there's been, um, like I hear a lot of like game jams are short by nature, and and there's there's simple games based around like one mechanic, and indie studios, if they want to succeed, need to focus on like making something achievable and, and, and so making something quite small. Um, I'm worried that, like I really hope that there's money in the mid-tier for some promising indies to dream bigger and not just the ones who fit the things that businessmen recognize will make money. And, you know, like I, I hear like, a lot of people joke like, oh, I'm going to make my first game. It's going to be like an MMORPG as a joke because you would never want to try to make an MMORPG as your first game. But if you're putting like already putting all these limits on what you can dream of because you have to be realistic with how complex games are and what you can achieve, like I think that's a bit sad. Yeah, no, totally. I, I would encourage kids to like dream huge and then fail. <laughs> I, I think. No, I think that's a, that's a, completely valid sentiment um i just like i guess that the reason that that kind of it doesn't bother me um but it's something i think about this idea of people like just so many people making so many games and it's true across all mediums you know um music and and writing and tv yeah and i think one of the, the things that kind of it doesn't bother me that much but everything is kind of funneled into the same funnel you know like you know yes. 20 30 years ago you could be in a band and you could kind of do okay even if you're just kind of semi-successful locally you could do all right you wouldn't make a lot of money but you could kind of get by or if you you know made a uh 
a TV series or something, you you do all right. You know, you play it in your local community or local country. That's that's right. kind of okay. Whereas now it's kind of like his Netflix, his all to film and TV, his right. Steam. Here are all games. You know, there, there right. is, and and it's tricky to kind of foster that localization when you've got you know you can just play anything <laughs> anywhere from anywhere. Um, yes, so it's, it's, it seems slightly unsustainable and also i'm worried that the I best game i've missing. ever played isn't i'm missing you know that i've just never even heard of it because this so yeah. yes i i'm i'm sure i'm sure that's happening right now but the fact that that's happening means there's a need and that means there's a business opportunity so like someone needs to create a platform that is curating a lot better. Like if I could pay $10 a month to get games that I actually liked and knew I would like, I would totally do that. Like I, I'm not, my personality, like, cause yeah, you've asked me a bunch if I've gone out seeking and like, I have not, like that's not in my personality ever. Like I've, any music scene I've ever been involved with, any, like even artists that I like, like I'm always kind of, I always kind of just naturally am like one degree away from people who do like to go out and find things. And I love to have friends who like to go out and find things and then tell me about them. This is like probably my favorite kind of person. <laughs> and, and so, um, I know I'm missing out on a lot of games. Uh, people, uh, people need to make, smaller games and shorter games is is my uh, my big thing at the minute i can't afford to spend time playing games that i like um because they're too long yeah there's no way at this age i'm gonna like well i i have put hundreds of hours in this war of mine so i can't say that but um yeah i like like if a game it depends on whether if the game is systemic like it's just totally replayable over and over and over no, I think and that I'll should be banned. It. I think that should be outlawed. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm I'm joking. But like, okay. also, <laughs> that is something that I spend. You know, like I play. Um, the latest one is is. Uh, uh, oh, I spoke to Dom just a couple of days ago. What's the game called? Flinthook. Like, I can't stop playing Flinthook. I play it all the time, and it's different every time. Um, and Dom it could. Sounds great. It is great, but there's other stuff. I need. What about all the other things I'm missing out on? What about the best game that I've never played that I don't even know this out because I'm playing Flintuck again? That's the world we live in now. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's totally that's the best problem I could possibly have. Yeah. But I agree. Like for for story based games, like for a game with a linear story or something, I don't want it to last more than five hours. Oh God, no, no. <laughs> Ideally, you know, two or three, um, and then maybe but with extra stuff if I want to go back into it. But I have to examine why is that? Because on the other side, with movies and TV, I've basically stopped watching movies because I think they're too short. I figure like if I'm if I like the TV series, if I like the characters and I like the theme, I like the mood of it, I like the mood it puts me in, I want to be able to watch it like for quite a bit of time. I basically want to feel like I'm friends with these people. And a movie is just like, it doesn't seem like worth my time because by the, I get invested and it's over. Oh man, I've gone totally the opposite way. Huh. Um, like I, I remember I, I did, I studied English in university and one of my old lecturers used to 
uh, joke in a very English professorial way that uh, who needs to read novels? Just read a poem. It's faster. You get more into it. And uh, I, everyone kind of joked about yes. it. But the older I get, the more I'm starting to think, like, why do I, I don't need 10 episodes of this? Give me a film. Give me a well-written two-hour oh, film. Interesting. Like, and, and I like the the completeness and the satisfaction, even the fact that, you know, the the, the, the latest, well, not really the latest trend, but the current trend is, you know, huge arcing movies with, like, casts that go across several different films like i don't care about any of that just give me a give me two hours hour and a half ideally of a really good well-told story and i'm <laughs> more than happy like black mirror is a perfect example black mirror is brilliant because here you go here's a bunch right. of beautiful hour and a half long good stories however the like the the tone and the theme is quite like like you can you can feel what a black mirror episode is they're not radically different from each other I suppose the stories are different. The universe is different. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally know what you mean because I will also gravitate towards like stuff like uh, Community or Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf particularly because yeah. I kind of that was my thing when I was a kid. That was that was my Star Trek. Like, and I yes. will, I will happily just sit and watch episodes I've seen literally hundreds of times before because it's whatever. It's comforting. I like those people. I like being around. I like how it makes right. me feel. Yeah. You know? Actually, incidentally, like uh, this seems that we'll we'll finish up after this. But it seems just like pouring nice... myself a glass of water. Sorry, that's okay. I, I finished my water. Okay. Are you within okay. arm's reach of the tap? That's amazing. I just walked over with my laptop. Right, okay, okay. And I'm walking back. I felt terrible that I had you sort of hunched up in a kitchen somewhere. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. So speaking, like uh, talking, like I watch Red Dwarf. I find that very very comforting. Like, do you? Is there like a game that you go to for that, like a kind of uh, uh, as a, a warm blanket game, so to speak? Well, I guess that was Skyrim for me for a long time. And yeah, I don't know why I find this war of mine comforting, but I do. It's the one I play the most. It's a really quite a harrowing game, though. Yeah, there, that's, I think there's just something in my personality. When things are cheerful... They freak me out. If something's like <laughs> dark, then I'm like, yeah, okay, this is real. That's fascinating. So would that be like, is that something that you, I mean, I guess we kind of um, didn't kind of uh, disprove the notion of a warm black game, but you said it's more, perhaps more of a kind of intellectual thing where you'll lose yourself in a game while you sort of try and make a decision or, or solve a problem. Yeah, like my subconscious is busy doing something and then I exactly. lose myself in the game, yeah. And I guess I, I, I should, for the sake of completeness, just ask like what, if, you, if you're able to say, like what are you yeah. working on now? Yes. Um, so my studio is called True Love Media and the concept behind the studio is that each game is co-designed with someone from a different creative industry who doesn't like video games. That's so good. it's fun. It's really fun because then they have no preconceptions of what is a game or not or how it should work. And how we work is we brainstorm by starting with something that bugs them about life, something in their lives that they don't like or something they want to say to the world. And then we build the game around that purpose. And I have six concepts because um, some prototypes, but one we decided to kind of double down on and 
and grow into something bigger before we release it. So that one will be the first game we release. Can you um, say what it is? Yeah, it's it's called Self Care. And it's about a character who didn't want to get out of bed for the day. There's a top-down view of that character's bedroom, and there's all these objects around the room, and each one is a meditative mini-game. That's fascinating. It's really beautiful, I think. And how do you mean a a meditative mini-game? Like, is that just... Is that a specific thing that I don't know about? You could think of, like, WarioWare... Yeah, like no that's that's what I'm thinking of. But like, yeah. is there? I suppose like it, in terms of like game design uh, grammar that I'm not aware of. Is that a thing, or is that something that you've you've uh, specifically designed games with meditation in mind? Um, I've just designed basically. It's just what I wish games were. Okay. I don't want to leave the game feeling frustrated. Like I don't I don't want the game to get harder and harder and harder until I die. I just want to go through the motions. I want to like organize things and get rewarded. And, and that's what's happening here. I, I, I don't know if you, you have, maybe you have, have you played destiny? Destiny? Yeah. The shooter? The bungee shooter. Yeah, no, I have not. No. See that to me does, I'm sure I read something about this the other day, actually someone okay. else talking about the game, but that like, that offers a lot of that kind of sensation, which I know sounds ridiculous because it is a, a, a shooter. You're running around shooting things, yes. but there's there's something about the the way it's designed. Like it, it's yeah. relatively bare bones. Like there's not a huge amount to do once you've kind of played through the story. I mean, it's a multiplayer, but there okay. are like daily daily quests and daily patrols. So you, okay. you basically go into the same level every single day and just running through a little patrol. So you like collect ten of these. Or like uh, kill a hundred of these, and you do it usually with Destiny because of this type of game it is. There'll be other people online that you mm-hmm. can kind of go with, yeah. And you've all got your own little mini quest. So it'll be like, oh hey, I've got to collect a thousand beautiful. of these to upgrade my gun, and they're like, okay, cool, I'll come and do that with you. I've got to collect these anyway, and it's just kind of it's literally running errands, <laughs> and and there's something really just relaxing and nice That's about the process beautiful. of it. Yeah, um, I'm sure. If I, I was good at shooting, I would love that. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, sorry, I've just Googled it. It was Austin Walker. Austin Walker wrote about it the other day on Vice about how he, that's how he treated it as a kind of a, a self-care game, basically. It's fabulous. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, okay, anyway, we've gone on for, for ages. I'll leave you to carry on with your day. Was that okay for you, Brie? Was that, was that fun? Yeah, that was really fun. Thank you. Good, I good. appreciate I'm the glad. opportunity. Lydia keeps my toothbrush in her apartment And she never complains Well, hardly ever And then jokingly she says Boy, it's been so long since I've held you I nearly gave you up for dead I nearly gave you up for dead I nearly gave you up for Chuck him.
must be off again I must be off again Lady, you know I always talk about conscious decisions About running my own life But maybe I'm fooling myself It's a role I like to play Cause more often than not I'm down here on the corner I'm sorry I woke you Do you feel like some company? Babe, I need a place to stay Off again.